The Gospel according to St. Matthew. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly, a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout that district. The Gospel of the Lord. Raise your hand if you have ever heard of Larry Bird. Anybody? All right. Maybe not everybody, but he's probably the most famous player ever to play for the Boston Celtics. And it was a few years back, of course, but probably still the most iconic player for that team. A little less famous, but how many of you have heard of the infamous bad boy from the Detroit Pistons, Bill Lambeer? Anybody heard of that guy? few less hands, right? But some of you had. Many more probably know the smoothest silk iconic star of that team, uh, Isaiah Thomas. But Lambeer was the poster child for this team in some ways, these bad boy, blue collar, tough guys um, from Detroit, the Pistons. Now, Lambeer and uh, Larry Bird had this rivalry. Actually, Lambeer had a rivalry with pretty much everybody he played because he was a very dirty player. But it was so bad between Lambeer and Bird that at one, po at one point in one of, the, one of the, their games, a playoff game, they got into such a heated altercation that they were, both, they were both tossed out of the game. And afterward, Bird was interviewed and he said, you know, I wish they would have just turned off the lights for 15 minutes, cleared the floor, and let the two of us go at it. One of the most historic examples of not just rivalry, but really pure hatred in the world of sports. Now, why in the world am I bringing this, this up? Because Jesus' call of Matthew in our gospel for today 
is kind of like the coach of the Celtics sitting Larry Bird down and saying, hey, I've got great news. We've traded for Bill Lambeer so you guys can be teammates, brothers forever. Larry probably would have left the team at that moment. If you want to know what it may have been like for Jesus to call Matthew a tax collector, especially after calling a group of fishermen who were, among other people, victims of these tax collectors. Jesus is the coach. Peter and his fishing buddies are Larry Bird. And Matthew is Bill Lambeer. It's that bad. In fact, it's probably worse. It would sort of be like if, G if, if a, the coach sat Larry Bird down and said, we're calling Bill Lambeer, and oh, by the way, he's going to live in half of your house and take half of your possessions and put you into poverty or whatever it might be. That's more what it was like to call a tax collectors among fishermen, among those worthy or somewhat worthy disciples, it seems. But in the wisdom of God, Matthew will be knit into this community of followers. The ones he has taxed to death on behalf of their enemies, by the way. He will be knit into them in a way only Christ can bring. Maybe you look around this sanctuary and think, what do I have in common with these people, right? You have Christ and Christ alone. That's what the power of Christ does. I do have to laugh, although, as I read further in this gospel, because if you notice later in the story, the disciples are asked why Jesus has gone. Presumably, we, we think probably into Matthew's house. He's gone to the house of a tax collector. It seems it would be Matthew's house. And he's gone to eat with other Bill Lamb I mean, other tax collectors and sinners. And they don't actually, they don't actually answer the question. It's, it's, it's an okay question. We may think, oh, yep, here are the Pharisees again, those judgy people. Not like me, of course, but these judgy folks who are coming in and wondering, what's Jesus doing eating with these folks? It's a legitimate question. It's a fair question. It's probably a question any of us would ask. And I kind of wonder if the disciples, in the midst of that question, kind of look at those Pharisees and go, have no idea why he's doing this. And so Jesus has to answer. Jesus has to intervene and answer and says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Jesus doesn't sort of wash over what Matthew has done, any more than he washed over what Peter had done, or any of the other disciples, or even us, as he calls us. He doesn't wash over it. He certainly names, yeah, it's, there's, there's a sickness here. Yes, there's sin here. But I've come to call sinners. And in fact, really what Jesus may be saying is, and by the way, all y'all are sinners. None of you are keeping the law perfectly and trying to ascend that ladder will just make the fall even greater. I was reminded this week of the call of Matthew that's portrayed in the Chosen series. I, don't, I know some in our congregation have been watching that, um, this series on the life of Jesus. It's embellished quite a bit, but, but it, it's got some interesting kind of visuals that it brings up for us. And I was reminded in that series when Jesus calls Matthew out of his ta tax booth, Peter immediately protests. Jesus, what are you doing? Like, get out of here. Don't do that. 
And Jesus reminds, and, and when Jesus reminds Peter that he too felt unworthy being called, Peter says something very interesting, right? We all have our little place. We all have our line of judgment, right? Uh, uh, Peter says, well, this is different. And Jesus says something beautiful. I love how the writers put this in. He says, Peter, get used to different. It's going to be different. It's going to be different with the call of Christ. I remember when I went to seminary, uh, and I know I was going to study to be a pastor, and so you might think, well, I must have gone free of judgments, right? Completely free in the grace and the love of, of Christ. Well, nope, I still had plenty of them. And, uh, and they probably came, as they usually do for all of us, they come from our insecurities, right? And there was this one woman in class, immediately she opened up her binder and she had color-coded tabs for every single subject. And I immediately disliked her. She was so organized. Ugh. Why do you have to be so organized? Right? By the way, I love organized people because I am not. But just like I love dental hygienists because I can't even watch myself brush my teeth. So they are a gift from God. But I just immediately didn't like her. Our senior year, we ended up being co-presidents of our, of our uh, student body co-presidents for our class. We were working tightly together, and we were great friends. There was another woman who I didn't just, again, had this immediate kind of ugh for. She was always kind of up in the clouds and just very, uh, kind of like the mystics, if you know the mystics, just very ethereal and, and kind of thinking of God in that way. And I was very pragmatic and sort of practical and in my head more. And so immediately, my insecurities, my weaknesses, my judgments, immediately didn't like her. Spent time with her on, uh, in an inner city plunge. Um, and got to know her very well, and got to know her story, her very, very traumatic story of, of abuse by her father and, and the cover-up of the community and all this, this story that she had come from. And so being in that, that kind of a story and knowing how God came to her in ways that, that weren't pragmatic and practical but were reaching through all of this trauma and abuse that was coming uh, to her in the very real world made me just appreciate, wow, her view of God in the midst of that was profound. As Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners, yeah, it puts everybody on the same playing field, including these Pharisees who are exercising their judgment. But it also does something that I've, I've experienced before, and I'm sure you have as well, that Jesus calls us into situations that don't seem to add up or don't seem to look right or the people don't seem to fit together, and suddenly our world gets bigger. Suddenly the grace of God opens us in ways that we would not have known if we had just stayed in our own little space, our own little community, our own little echo chamber. In the call of the disciples in this beautiful and and diverse call of the disciples, Jesus opens all of their worlds up to great gifts. It isn't just that these fishermen and these disciples who are somewhat worthy, although fishermen, come on now, but somewhat worthy, more worthy than a tax collector, were going to somehow bless Matthew, but they were also going to be blessed by Matthew's story as they worked together as disciples. But so often our our judgments, our insecurities, our whatever it might be, kind of wall us off from this kind of a call. And we kind of 
turn inward to ourselves so often, and we're encouraged even that, in that culturally. We're working so hard. We're working so hard for something we already have in the call, in the gracious call of Christ. We're working to be worthy and to be okay and to be perfect and to be free and to be good enough. And God in Christ Jesus just gives it to us. As if to say, yes, I see you are convicted. I see you are sinful. I see you are falling short. And I want you anyway. So be free. Become my disciple. I love how Cleophas LaRue, he's a Princeton, Princeton uh, uh, or he's a preaching professor at Princeton Theological Seminary. And he just reoriented how I looked at this. I love how he says this. He writes, It is not so much what Jesus sees in us that makes us worthy, but rather what he puts in us when we obey his command. Now, he's not saying when we keep all the commandments perfectly, but just obey his command. And what is that command in this text today? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me into the adventure I'm leading you into. Follow me with your gifts. And simply saying, all right, yes, I will. I will follow. Even if you are Bill Lambeer. Even if you are Matthew. Now, I think that call story can get caught up in a lot of hype, as we were talking about in the children's sermon. And for Matthew uh, and the other disciples, for Abraham and Sarah, for Moses, for Martin Luther, other modern examples that we might have, yeah, that call comes with a lot of hype. There's a lot of recognition at their, at their, in their own time or at some time in the future. And we might think that is what a call looks like. But it also, and much more commonly, looks simply like being attentive to the daily call of Jesus. Caroline Lewis, a, a, a teacher at Luther Seminary, talks about getting a visual as she hears this call of Matthew today, called out by Jesus from his tax booth where he is sheltered and protected, even though he is surely hated by those around him, by his own people, and probably even despised or at least looked down upon by his Roman employers. And she wonders what might be in our way or what we might be sitting behind that shelters us from Jesus' call. And I have to wonder, too, what it would look like for me each day to wake up and do something that's kind of simple but profoundly dangerous and meaningful at the same time to wonder what might be in the way today, where I might be closed off or distracted from the call of Jesus and how I might be open, whatever it might be that I kind of need to do to, to listen and to look for where Jesus is calling me to follow, even in just a very small way. Could it lead into a place where my time and talents might be used or my treasure might be given in ways that will not be part of the annals of history, but might lead to healing or connection or life, or a life of greater meaning, an impact, maybe just on one person, maybe just on a person even in my family. In the good law of Jesus, the command to come and follow, might there be an opportunity to experience the expansive grace of God 
freely given in Christ, surprising and new as we are connected to someone? I think so. And truly in the time I've been uncluttered enough to hear Jesus calling, and the very few times of many that I have said, yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus, I know so. I could tell stories forever, but we'll end here, and I'm sure you could too, of how Jesus has called you, and you have connected in ways that have graced you and blessed you with the love of Christ, and used your gifts to spread that love and joy to others. Let it be so among us as Christ calls us anew this day and every day. Come, follow me. Amen.